Okay, right, folks. Bless your hearts. Uh, this is uh, this is possibly the last in this stewardship series. Certainly, as uh, Mark and the team put together this series of, on stewardship in His image, this was going to be the last. Uh, I find myself a little uh, a little um, concerned that we've not done much about caring for the, for the earth, caring for the world. And I do think it is something that we should be looking at. So uh, maybe we'll do that before we completely put this service, this series to bed. But my, my, my duty today is to do the second part of what I was doing last week. And um, can I just check with, with our AV guy? Hannah, bless your heart. Have we got, is it Hannah up there? Hi, Hannah. Have we got my sermon up there? Has that come through? It has. Oh, good. That's great. Okay. We've had a bit of a few issues this morning. Okay, so in his image, the title page, a call to stewardship. And, uh, and what we really want you to grasp on this thing is that, yes, it includes money. And I am talked about money last week. And I'm talking about money today, and there's a reason for that. But really, this, this stewardship thing is about restoring God's image to us. You see, God, in the garden, before it all went pear-shaped, you know, at the very beginning entrusted us with the earth and all that was in it. And we are to care for it, and we are to prosper it, and we are to care for the beasts, and we care for the earth, and we, we, are, we, we have dominion over it. But it's a responsibility. It's not to use and abuse. You know, you do hear some Christians who seem to think it's about using up the earth's resources. We're supposed to tend for, tend, uh, tend for it. Tend to it, thank you. And uh, tend to it, and, and so that's part of it. But what, it, what God is doing in his son is restoring his image in all its fullness, the creator God, the God who walks in the garden at the cool of the day, loving the creation because it is good. And we're to be running alongside there, relishing in the, in the creation itself, caring for it, and, and appreciating it and giving God the glory for it. So this is a very holistic image. And as we've heard wonderful sermons that we've had all along the way, you know, we're, we're, to, we're to see that as a priestly calling. We're to consecrate ourselves. We're to give ourselves to it. We're to dedicate ourselves to it. We are to use whatever we have, be it great resources or limited resources, don't let the fact that you believe you have limited resources in terms of time, energy, and money stop you from you know, taking seriously this, this high calling to be a steward of everything that God has given you and given you influence. Do what you can, when you can, in the sphere of influence that you find yourself in. Do what you can, when you can, in the sphere of influence that you find yourself in. And then, of course, uh, you know, God has given us some innate gifts. Some of our gifts and talents we have developed. It's taken a long time to develop, uh, you know, the, 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 the skills that we have. But others are born with a particular, you know, leaning towards art, creativity, business, whatever. Uh, and, uh, but we are to use those things. And as, as Richard said, you know, we are to, it doesn't, it's no excuse that you're an introvert. You've got to share the faith that you have as best you can with whoever you can. It, it, it really isn't to get out, well, I'm an introvert, you know, I mean, it's all very well for Dennis and all this kind of stuff. It's all very well for Chris. You know. we, we, we are called 
to walk the royal way. That was a phrase I coined earlier on. Uh, and to be salt and light, a city on a hill. These are various illustrations that Jesus used. Now, Rick Warren said an interesting thing. I came across this quote a couple of weeks ago, and I forgot it last week, I think. But Rick Warren says this. There's two major themes that run through Scripture, through, from, page, from cover to cover. One is the story of salvation. The story of salvation. God, you know looking for a people that will represent and model him and be his people on the face of the earth. And that sort of has both joys and sorrows and actually ends in tears. And then ultimately, of course, his son, he sends his one and only begotten son, Jesus, not only to model what, what a true humanity looks like. And some people say, would, would be tempted to say, well, it was all right for Jesus. I mean, he's the son of God. What Jesus comes to do is actually to be truly human. And that's what we're working towards. It is attainable because he came and showed us the way. And he empowers us by his spirit to be that. So Jesus comes and he, he models this true humanity. So Rick Warren says, there's two great themes that run through scriptures. And one is the story of salvation. The other is the story of stewardship. And how, how we get on doing that. This is the job we have been given. To steward all that God has given us. We are the pinnacle of creation. And we are to steward that which God has given us. And what he says, and I agree with him, and I'm sure many would agree with him. It is the temptation and the assault of money, wealth, and all that it will buy that actually opposes that. It's our pursuit of these other things. Jesus calls this, these other things mammon, and that he personalizes, he makes money, uh, he, he, he gives it an identity. So it is a God that is, it is, that is um, vying for our adoration, vying for our worship. And as we see, as we take a step back and we look at our community, we see that so many of us are consumed with just getting by. And some get by very well, thank you very much, and some get by by the skin of their teeth. But we are not to be like that. Jesus said, you know, do not worry about these things. Do not make them your ultimate goal. Do not make them your preoccupation because sons and daughters of the Most High, stewards of creation, know that their God loves them and we'll provide for them. We've sung it. We sing it every week. So this is, all, this is what we've been at pains to try and communicate. That you know, God is the God of all things. He's given us all things to enjoy. He wants us to live liberated lives. And the path of liberation is counterintuitive because it is a path of sacrifice. It is a part of surrender. And it is a path of service. So give your time freely. Give your money as freely as you dare. I heard somebody say a few weeks ago, I want you to be financially promiscuous. That's an awkward uh, <laughs> expression. <laughs> I want you to be financially promiscuous. So anyway, that's by way of a little recap. As Mark said, and so many of the speakers have said, stewardship is more than money. But we, it's the elephant in the room because it opposes so much of what we do, the fear 
of lack or the fear of not being able to cope or the fear of this stops us doing all sorts of good things. The Spirit of God is whispering to us on a daily basis, encouraging us to step out of our comfort zone, to be a generous, loving, warm-hearted person. Uh, anyway, I, I could spend more time on that. I'm not going to. Let's get on to this thing. Okay, so... Paul says this to the church, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll take this as our little verse to begin with. But since you excel in everything, and let's face it, folks, this church, I've had various politicians ringing me up and visiting us this week, and they all speak incredibly highly of this place. And we had one politician and a film crew turn up. We've had two turn up this last week. One turned up, but they didn't bother to check whether it was that we were going to be here. So apparently they came and they went. But... Uh, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in complete earnestness and in love, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. Let's excel in that. You know, I love it when we do from time to time, uh, you know, the sort of who's got a tenor thing. I'm not going to do that today. It's just a wonderful, spontaneous act of generosity. And God uses that time and time again. But generosity is a lifestyle. Generosity is a lifestyle. And so we're looking at the stewardship of money. Last week I said it was beyond charity. You know, how, and I'm asking the question today, how should we think, how should we think about financial giving? I found this little quote during the week. The world treats giving as a social obligation which can easily be resented or relegated as a luxury for the rich. Yet when we come to God's word, we see something very different. It's not a social obligation. It, it, it's not for the super rich like Warren Beatty and, and the, the Gates, you know, God bless them, who can give these extraordinary endowments away. It is actually for us something very different, and we see that in the Scripture. I'm going to give you seven reasons for giving now. Really, I, I suppose the, the sub-question is, you know, why does God need our money? You know, that's a good question. You know, God has everything. You know, it says in the Psalms, even, you know, every, every sheep and cow on the hillside are mine. You know, I don't need your gifts. Psalm 51, I think it is. So why does God need our money? Why do we spend time talking about it? I'm going to rattle through these. I'm going to chuck out some, some scripture verses because I actually don't want to spend time talking about this. So if you want to do the study, either write it down very quickly or listen to the podcast again and do, the, do your homework on this. But there are seven things I just want to whack through here and then I want to finish on another point related, of course. So first of all, giving restores our relationship to God as stewards. This is what I've just been saying. Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28. Genesis chapter 1, 27 to 28. Secondly, it give, giving reminds me that all things come from God. Deuteronomy 8, 18. I'm fond of saying, I've said it many times from the front here, all things come from God and of, your, of his own we give him. It all comes from him. It all comes from him. Thirdly, uh, excuse me, giving allows us the opportunity to express gratitude to God. It's only often when you give something that you begin to appreciate how much you liked it. You know, how many of you, when you're buying Christmas presents or birthday presents, buy something that you would really like yourself? And you give it away and think, I've got to get one of those things, you know. You know, and so you appreciate these things. You know, if it's yours, you know. I mean, I remember my uncle, bless his heart, you know, he was, he was a very generous man, actually. He was a Christian. But as a sort of eight or nine-year-old boy, I would, 
uh, I would route through his garage. He lived in Cornwall, used to go on holiday there, and I'd route through his garage, and there were all sorts of fishing tackle and stuff like that, and I'd keep coming out with fishing rods and reels, and I'd say to him, Uncle, do, do you use this very often? <laughs> of course he saw right through it, and sometimes he'd go, no, I don't. And there'd be this awkward pause. <laughs> but he said, go on, have it, you know. But other times, you know, I'd say, Uncle, uh, I found this behind, you know, the, the, the tool cabinet. Do you use it very often? Thinking you'd say, no, I don't. And you say, and you see he, this conflict thing go on. He said, oh, that's where it was. Well, I do actually, Chris, you know, and, you know, you count the loss, you count the gift. You know, and even, uh, you know, when, when we give our resources, time, energy, and money, it costs us, and so it should. I think it was King David said, far be it from me that I should a give, a give a gift to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. You know, it should cost us. We should feel it because he's worth it, and we feel gratitude there that we are given these things and able to do these things. As I said, as you have, if you have much or if you have little. Um, giving establishes the trust that releases God's blessing. Trust is absolutely crucial in whole, this whole thing. You know, I, as part of my daily devotion, I say to you, you know, I, I, I just repent of not trusting God. God, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. And that's the lens with which I begin to view our giving and the way we live our life. I trust you for my family. I trust you for this. I trust you for that. Giving is liberating. It breaks the spirit of poverty. Very often when I do that thing, you know, who needs a tenor, I do a talk, which I've done a hundred times over the years. Breaking the spirit of poverty. You know, there's, there's nothing better to, you know, when we're having trouble being generous, that's when you need to be more generous. You break that thing that is beginning to grip you. Because when you're, tr- being, when you're, when you are tr- having a, tr- a difficult time giving something away, it's because you're holding it too dearly. Now, it may be you know, you're the tools for your job. You may be a plumber and you can't simply give your van away. Understood. But I'm saying this very often, these things, often the check in us is the fear of lack. The fear of lack. And so we're called to trust God. God is, liberate, liberate, is, is the great liberator and wants to break in us the fear that he will not come through and he will not provide. Giving builds community. That was, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, that was 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19, breaking the spirit of poverty. Giving builds community. It allows us to come together and to give to God's purposes and work together. It allows us to invest in the kingdom of God in order to further the kingdom. You know, Paul commends the Macedonian church who were very poor, very, very hard up, but they begged. They begged for permission to give to the Jerusalem church who were going through an even worse time. And Paul was deeply touched by that because he'd been there, he saw what they were going through. Breaking the spirit of poverty. But it builds community, this sense of working together for some, some cause that is greater than ourselves. And for, my, for my money, no cause, for, for, for my money, for my, 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 whatever the expression is, for my money, if you're going to give your life to something, let, 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 let it be bigger than you, not less than you. 
Give, your, give yourself to something. Give your time, your energy to something that actually you cannot do without others. Anything less than that is, is, is actually unworthy. You are worth more than that. You are worth more than that. Okay. Bill's, giving builds community. And finally, giving allows me to invest in eternity. Jesus said, do not lay treasure up for yourselves on earth where rust and moth destroy, but instead, you know, save up treasures in heaven. How do you save up treasures in heaven? You buy, by giving it away. The only stuff you keep is the stuff you give away. It's, it's an extraordinary upside-down, topsy-turvy <sighs> dynamic. Extraordinary. So these are some things. Now the whole point of me putting up this, I, I pose the question, why does God need our money? He has everything. The truth of the matter, God wants us to be good stewards with finances, not for his sake, but for our sake. We need this. Because this adversary called mammon money is, is, is actually more than we can handle. That's why next to the kingdom of God, the whole business of stewarding our finances, our resources, our time, our energy was, was Jesus' second favorite theme. He knew what was opposing us. He knew how difficult it would be. So all of this is up there, not just to say, this is a good idea, folks. Why don't you think about that? This is up there because I want you to understand this is how we get free. This is how we break free into that time, that place where we live by trust. We, 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 as Wesley said, and I've often quoted this, we, work, you know, we earn all we can, we save all we can, we give all we can. So that's just a little bit of a, a reminder, an exhortation, if you will. So if that's the case, uh, how should I give? Let's just move on to that. Thank you. Thank you. How should I give? Now, there's often a lot of confusion about this. We talk about tithes and offerings. That's an expression you find. That clearly denotes a distinction. Tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. They are different. And also acts of righteousness. There's three kinds of giving in the scriptures. Tithes, offerings, and acts of righteousness. Very simply, I'll run through this and then I'll quickly explain and then we'll finish. A tithe is one-tenth. You know, last week when I said, you know, one for you, one for you, one for you, and one for God, that's the tenth. It's the first fruits. It's, it's what you give back to God. It's an act of faith and trust and thanksgiving. It's liberating. It helps you budget. It, it's what, it goes to the storehouse. It goes to the, the, the ministry. It's, it's, it's just something that happens. And you, uh, uh, and that's what we, that's how we built this church. Uh, I had, um, oh, Oh, I've forgotten the name. Another politician came to the church this week. Keir Starmer, wasn't it, or something? Who was it? Keir Starmer's. Sir Keir Starmer's. And he was asking how we finance this thing. It's all about direct giving. It's all about from us. It's the people gathering around the Lord Jesus Christ and catching a glimpse of something bigger than themselves. And over many, many years, you know, you, we have done extraordinary things. And long may it continue, say I, you know. But uh, so the, the tithe enables us to do that. The, an offering is something you do uh, as an act of gratitude or, 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 you see a, or, or you hear an appeal from somewhere overseas and you get, you get excited about that and you want to invest in that. 
It's, it's something, it's like building the building next door. It's, an offering is something you do in the scriptures, which is over and above your, your commitment. It's not something you do all the time. It's something that, you know, you think, wow, that was really exciting when that preacher came and did this. And really exciting. I've heard about the, you know, the, the uh, underground church in Iran, and I want to really invest in that. You know, that's, it's, when you give to that kind of thing, it's a, a heart thing, if you like. That's, uh, that's what the offering is in Scripture. The tithe is, is one thing. The offering is something. And then the acts of righteousness... And Jesus speaks about these. The acts of righteousness are what are the, the secret things you do. Jesus said, do your acts of righteousness in secret. And acts of righteousness are what the Victorians and the, used to call arms. When you give to the poor, you, you're moved by a situation, by an individual struggle. And what Jesus said, don't be all flamboyant. Don't go over to somebody who's in financial dire straits and, and say, oh, young man, I see you're struggling and could do with money. Well, I've got a wodge here. You know, do have this. Anybody? Pay attention, I'm giving this man money. <laughs> you know, it's not like that. But there were people like that. It's, it's counter-English culture, but in some cultures it's not, you know. Jesus said, don't do that. You've got your reward. Don't do that. <laughs> Do your acts of righteousness in secret. I mean, I, uh, you know, when we were starting the church and it was very hard work and we were really strapped financially, I was painting and decorating. Fliss was working in a, uh, a nursery. You know, we were really struggling financially. We didn't let everybody know. We didn't say, I'm living by faith and I need a hundred pounds by the end of the week. Avoid that. Disingenuous. But somebody, bless their hearts, for about two years would put 100 pounds in cash through our letterbox. We later on found out who it was, but they, the way they did it, they would just push it through our letterbox late at night. So we'd come down, and there would be the person, there'd be 100 pounds in cash. I tell you, it saved our bacon. It really did. Do your acts of righteousness in secret. I look at you. And by faith, I believe that you all tithe, please God. That's what we do. I look at you, and I have no compulsion saying, we're going to do phase three and, uh, and develop the first floor next door, and please give to this, and this is why we think God's doing this, and, and I trust that you'll all give. But your acts of righteousness, I do not want to know about. They're between you and God. So those are the three areas. Very often, people confuse these things. They'll, give a, they'll make an offering and they'll say, well, that's my tithe. You know, or they'll make an act of righteousness and say, well, that's my tithe. You know, give your own money where you want, but the tithe goes to God. So to, to, to bring this thing into land, first of all then, giving is an act of faith. An act of faith. And that's where the tithe comes in. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, 10%. Really? Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, that's quite a lot of money. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Sometimes it feels great to be tithing, to be able to tithe. Sometimes it doesn't feel great. It's not about feelings. It's about faith. It's about exercising our faith. The second type of giving, then, is give discreetly. The acts of righteousness, where a neighbor, a friend, a Christian, or a non-Christian, doesn't have to be a Christian, just is struggling, and you just think, oh, we can help out. 
That's your act of righteousness. Find a way of giving that money in a way that doesn't embarrass the person. I, I get great glee when we do that about, about that person opening that envelope that's comes with their letterbox or whatever and finding that money and think, where, where, where's this come from? What, what is this? And hopefully, well, if they're a Christian, definitely hopefully, but hopefully they'll think, God, you're so amazing. How did you know that? Blah, blah, blah. These things are meant to be done in secret, discreetly. Jesus says, don't let your right hand let what let, you know, let your left hand is doing. And then give from the heart. The heart does come into this, the offerings. Four things about that. Give freely. Give freely. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Give freely. No strings attached. Give freely. Give joyfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. For God loves a cheerful giver. Give generously. 2 Corinthians 8 says this. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. This is Paul speaking of the Methodist. Macedonia church. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And give expectantly. We began this little thing last week by saying, God has already given. All we do is in response to what God has already done. Give expectantly. And 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 10 says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 10. So generously. Let that be your disposition. So generously. As a church, over the years, we have a rep- we've developed a reputation for Generosity. But on behalf of the board, I have to say the last year or two have been a challenge. We still managed to give away nearly 80,000 pounds directly last year. But it's become a challenge. And I think it's because, yes, we've been taking up offerings for next door. And, you know, and our general fund has suffered, let's be honest. We need to attend to that now so that we can do all the things that God has called us to do as an act of faith, not... Oh, this is a great idea, quick, yo, you know, sort of impulsively, but as an act of faith. So remember, you know, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Let's just have that up, thank you. And can I have the band up, please? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves, your bodies, as a living sacrifice. Remember that thing? Surrender, sacrifice, service. Holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true and proper worship. Amen. You know, just before uh, we finish up, uh, I'd love us just to stand and pray for our politicians, our government. Uh, As I said, we've had a number of people come around this week. And we've been happy to host them. 
we try and host them all. But let's just stand and let's pray for our new government. We face many challenges which we've heard about. And it's all about being good stewards. This is what the nation, our politicians, are facing. How do we steward not just the taxes that we, we give, but how do we steward our people's talents? How do we steward the, the energy and youth and passion of young people in terms of education? This is one of the great challenges of our age. How do we steward that which God has given us? One of the most, in spite of what you may think, one of the most energetic, healthiest, richest nations in the world. How do we steward this? Let's pray for wisdom for our, our politicians. Father, we want to say thank you for those who felt called to serve as politicians. Father, we do pray for those who found this week that they'd lost their seat. Among them, I happen to know they were Christians, and they must be struggling with that. Lord, have mercy upon them. And for those who are coming into Parliament for the first time, Lord, bless them. May they hold on to the vision that they had, the passion that they had when they were called to serve. And for all those who are returning to Parliament, Lord, we ask your blessing. We ask your favor. We ask that they would work together. That seems a big ask, but you are a big God. And Father, we pray that they and us in our spheres of influence will not just be good, but great stewards. And everyone said, 